0: Welcome to the In A Word podcast. This is episode six, Contentment. In A Word is a newsletter that cultivates thoughtfulness one word at a time. Each issue is themed around one word, and you're listening to its companion podcast. I'm J.C. Verdicchio, the writer and curator of that newsletter. In this episode, we're exploring the word contentment. For contentment, I am actually sharing a guide that I made called Seven Ways to Cultivate Contentment. There's a PDF version that you can download and read on a tablet or on your laptop, or you can even print it out and read it. There's a one-page printable that you could keep handy. And there are also some different phone wallpapers that you could keep on your screen as a reminder or you could share in an Instagram story if you like. If you are a subscriber to the In a Word newsletter, then you have gotten that by email. And if you're not yet a subscriber, then go to inaword.substack.com and subscribe and you will get it emailed to you automatically. So before we get into the guide itself, let's talk generally about contentment. Contentment is deeper than happiness and broader than gratitude. We all want it, but pursuing it feels counterintuitive. If we chase the feeling of not needing to chase things, are we like dogs chasing our tails? Contentment isn't yet another thing to strive for and attain. It's not a to-do list item we can check off, but it is something we can cultivate how? I'm no expert, but I do have some ideas. I made this guide because I needed some practical reminders of things to do when I get pulled into the vortex of discontentment. First, I want to be honest with you about something. I have been sitting on this guide for months. I wrote it in the spring. I sent it to Erin of Primavera Studio to have her prettify it and make it all nicely laid out and beautiful, and she got it back to me, and then I just sat on it. I started to wonder, is it morally irresponsible to be content when there's so much in the world that needs repairing? Is contentment a cop-out? A head-in-the-sand privilege? Well, when I think of contentment, I don't mean living in a bubble and suspending empathy for others. I don't mean crafting a life that includes everything I want so I no longer want. I am often distracted from big, weighty pursuits by the small things I chase to feel whole. Or as C.S. Lewis puts it in The Weight of Glory, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Perhaps we can get to the real work when we aren't perpetually spinning to overcome some deficiency in ourselves or our circumstances. We do not have to prove our worth or earn our right to be here. In fact, we can't. It's been given to us. So, are we going to waste it wringing our hands over what we lack? Some days, probably. The bulk of my last week was spent doing just that. I looked at unkempt corners of my home and felt disgust. I looked in dusty corners of my heart and felt contempt. It was embarrassing how quickly my soul shrank into a chihuahua quivering in a thunderstorm. While I was trying not to pee myself in a corner metaphorically i worried that the guy doesn't say anything we don't already know well it doesn't because even though it isn't easy contentment isn't complicated it's a practice not a formula and cultivating it will be a lifelong project if we assume it should come naturally and berate ourselves when it doesn't discontent will eat us alive it will serve as a lifelong distraction from the real work If we consider it too beneath the big problems in our world, it won't stop affecting us. It will just be insidious beneath the surface, sabotaging our every move. I'd have shared this sooner, if not for all my hand-wringing, but now feels just about perfect. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and we could probably all do with a minute to stand still and bear witness to the good unfolding around us. So here's the guide. Perhaps it's useful to think of cultivating contentment as a practice, not in the practice makes perfect sense, but in the yoga practice sense. We can grow towards contentment, free from the expectation of a rival. We can stop trying to wrap our arms around it and orient our hearts toward it instead. There will be moments, days maybe, when I'm overcome by jealousy or fear of the future or boredom with my wardrobe. Why is everything a different shade of the same color? I'll find myself itching for more, better, and new. As much as I want to achieve contentment and check it off my list for good, it ebbs and flows as all fluid matters of the heart do. I offer this long preamble to say... The following is not a list of steps at the end of which we collect our prize. It's a list of approaches I use in my contentment practice, and you might consider adding to yours. Number one Embrace good enough. Maybe perfectionism doesn't have you in a chokehold like it did me for much of my life. Maybe I don't have to tell you that perfect is the enemy of good or that done is better than perfect. I, however, need a steady stream of these reminders because perfectionism seeps its poison into every arena if I let it. If I have an ideal in mind, I am very determined to meet it. Lowering my expectations or settling feels like loss or a lack of willpower. I blame listening to Tom Petty's Won't Back Down on repeat in my formative teen years. Determination has mostly served me well, but unfettered determination is plain old stubbornness. There are hills worth dying on for the greater good, and then there are hills you will die on alone, your own misery, your only reward. I can look at Everything through a critical lens my home, my friends, my work, my acts of service, my marriage, my shoes. I can refuse to be content until they reach my exacting standards. Or I can embrace the good enough throw pillows, the good enough birthday card inscription, the good enough job, the good enough date night. At first, it might feel like settling. It might feel like loss to give up the ideal I envisioned. But soon, it will feel like freedom. It is freedom to see the abundance here and now. Good enough is usually more than enough, and embracing that means I can imply my determination where it matters. Number 2. Play the gratitude game Early in our marriage, life was not living up to my ideals. I had ongoing health challenges, few friends in my new city, and a boring job. My husband would prompt me to play the thankful game when I was piling my grievances onto a turd sandwich that I, alone, would eat. Sometimes I would roll my eyes and refuse, but mostly I complied because it worked. I would say three things I'm grateful for, out loud. That's it. Every player is a winner because it'll snap you right out of a funk. Focus on the worst and all of life feels like the worst focus on the bright side and it gets brighter. A quick note on this, I would never want to imply that gratitude or anything on this list is a panacea. In cases of abuse, people don't need to look on the bright side, they need to get out. Someone in the grips of depression might not have the capacity to look on the bright side without the care of a mental health professional and medication. Number three, zoom in. Have you ever had your mood flipped completely by something you saw on social media? You felt fine until you saw a picture of friends out to dinner and started feeling insecure about your social life? Or maybe it was someone's home renovation, outfit, vacation, children, spiritual insights, or work success? I wish I were impervious to these feelings. But I'm not, and there's an easy solution. Narrow my vision to the things and people in my real life at least temporarily. It's a big ask of ourselves to peek into hundreds of curated lives without ever feeling insecure, jealous, or discontent. For me, zooming in often means deleting the Instagram app for a bit so I can pay closer attention to what's right in front of me. It could also mean unfollowing accounts that routinely spark the worst in you. Number four, zoom out. As a Christian, I aim to live in light of eternity. This means weighing the value of things based on their eternal worth. I invest in things that don't have an obvious or immediate payoff. I try not to become too entangled, literally or spiritually, with the things I own or want to own. I resist the claims lesser roles than child of God make on my identity. This mindset, if I can access it, helps me find contentment in trying situations and helps me put the lesser things of life in their proper place. The eternal value of pursuits can be hard to wrap your mind around. Even zooming out a week, month, or year helps. Will this thing I desperately want to buy matter to me in a week? No matter the outcome of this anxiety-ridden situation, will it matter a year from now? If I lose or never gain X, will life go on? Will God still be God? Don't crowd out today's contentment with tomorrow's unknowns. Realizing that the stakes are almost never as high as I imagine helps me reclaim contentment here and now. Number five, don't fight delight. I learned a lot about contentment from our former neighbors. If life were smoked ribs, they would get every morsel off the bone. Apologize for the visual if you're a vegetarian. Whether it's making beans in an Instant Pot, seeing the Northern Lights, watching my daughter play, or opening their home for their much-anticipated annual Christmas party, they brim with delighted joy. You know how little kids vibrate with excitement sometimes, and usually it's over something small? Somehow, as we mature, we lose that. We learn to play it cool. We feel silly and self-conscious for getting overly excited. But the adults I love spending time around are the ones who haven't lost their ability to be delighted, to explode with enthusiasm, to celebrate, even if it's just over a really perfect, fast-cooking pot of black beans. Number six, own your agency. It's easier to feel content with a situation when we realize our agency in it. For our first year in Charleston, I felt miserable in our apartment as many friends bought houses. Our building is eclectic. Stepping into the elevator is like stepping into a horror film or that off-the-wall SNL sketch with Tom Hanks as David S. Pumpkins. The story I told myself was that we were trapped in our apartment by debt. I remember a conversation Mike and I had with tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt still to pay. We discussed the possibility of moving elsewhere, but we'd be giving up our low rent and ability to pay off our loans. I stopped feeling stuck in our apartment once I felt we'd made an active choice to stay. The more we thought about it, the more benefits we saw to staying put. So much so that we still haven't moved four years after making our last loan payment. We are constrained by time, money, children, work schedules... Some things are beyond our control, but we often have more agency than we believe. It's possible to embrace our agency within constraints instead of feeling trapped by them. Even when we need to make a change, owning where we are fills the possibility of change with hope and excitement instead of desperation. Number 7. Go outside. Literally, get some fresh air and figuratively, get outside yourself. Nothing gets me out of my head like thinking about someone else and applying my energy to making someone else's life better. Fresh air also helps. A brisk walk has a way of snapping me out of malaise to see the beauty right in front of me. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you enjoy In A Word, the podcast, the newsletter, or this contentment guide, please share it. Like I mentioned earlier, there are phone wallpapers in the download folder. Those would be great to share as an Instagram story. Please be sure to tag me at JCVerdiccio so I can thank you. I also encourage you to forward the email or to just take a screenshot of your favorite part of the newsletter and share it on social media. Now, as always, we will close with a benediction. May we have eyes to see the beauty in our midst, arms to embrace our proximate people, feet planted where we are, and hands ready to do good here and now. Thanks for listening, and I will see you back here and in your inbox in a couple of weeks.